Hello and welcome to Storytime with Tom and Mike. I'm Tom. And I'm Mike. I am a miniature graham cracker eating fiend. I didn't know they existed, and now that I've had them, I just really want to take miniature marshmallows and little chocolate pieces and make small s'mores. Oh, baby s'mores. <laughs> Bite-sized s'mores, yeah. Sure. Well, who, who doesn't? I mean, literally every s'more is bite-sized because that's what, how you eat them, but, you know. Well, if you take it that way, everything is bite-sized once you bite it. <laughs> Pretty much. You know. Cars, buildings, it's, everything it, is bite-sized. Exactly. <laughs> Whether you can actually finish it or not, you know, that's that's a slightly different story. Well, if you can even complete the bite. Yeah, it's true. Will your teeth break? Will your dentures fall out? Yeah. Will your gums start to bleed and rip? Uh, I don't think blood's going to uh, soften cement any. No, probably not. Mm. That was an uncomfortable, disgusting thought of, like, your teeth breaking. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I just, sorry. I just made myself a little queasy. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie American History X. I've seen I've seen bits and pieces of it, which seems to be my answer for everything. I've, I don't think I've ever watched an entire whole movie the whole way through in my entire life. No, I don't think that you have. <laughs> um, but uh, in it, there's a scene where the guy makes the guy bite the curb and then he stomps his head. Curb stomps him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm aware of that terminology. But, like, the way they shoot it, like, you can almost, like, when he puts his face down on the curb for the first time and opens his mouth, you can almost hear and feel the enamel scraping against the concrete it's so visceral that when it comes up to that moment where he stomps down and they don't show it you know they just show him stomping down Mm. and it's enough for you to go and the sound effects that they use holy fucking shit and it's just crispity crunchity oh it's horrible and it's just, well, I mean, the whole point of the movie is to shock you into understanding, like, like how it's possible to transform a lifelong racist into a good person um, if put in the right position. Does and, he become like a, uh, you know, um, somebody who does reconstructive dentistry? <laughs> well, no, he can't, certainly can't take back what he did. <laughs> That's for sure. But he, he see, you know, he, he sees the light at a certain point and uh, it's a, it's a pretty good flick. I, I have to watch hmm. it again. I haven't watched it in like 15 or 20 years. See, that's a lie for me because there is one movie I have watched the entire way through numerous times well two actually one would be a christmas story which is on every year on tnt and tbs uh the entirety of uh, christmas day from 12 o'clock until 12 o'clock well 12 o'clock till 11 59 essentially and um then from, sorry from 12 o'clock a.m on christmas day until 11 59 p.m on christmas day just in case anybody need a clarification, and uh, an Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Ace Ventura Pet Detective is a wonderful yeah. film to have known yeah. and watched dozens it's, and um, dozens of times. It's 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 a fantastic it's a fantastic flick, and at one point in time, I thought that any Charlie Sheen movie was good, and that is a uh, that is a <laughs> welcome reprieve from uh, from old Tiger Blood Charlie Sheen. Yeah, he did make some good some well not good but you know like entertaining. Watchable watchable movies and one of my favorites of uh, Charlie Sheen's is one that is not necessarily so much a mainstream film that everybody's seen but it's called is it Above the Law? I believe it's called Above the Law I, I can never remember if it's Above the Law or Beyond the Law I think it's Above the Law where he is a uh, cop who goes undercover with uh, within a biker organization and it's actually a pretty it's a pretty good movie hmm if you ever get a chance to watch it, I mean, I wouldn't probably go out seeking this movie. Uh, I guess it's another good is it movie a car too. Chase so, movie? No, you're thinking of uh, a movie that he did uh, that's called The Chase, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. <laughs> With him and um, the really hot blonde chick from the '80s. We talk about I this movie almost yeah. every podcast. 
Yeah, because well, Christy Christy Swanson because she's super hot in that movie. Yeah. And uh, another great movie. Uh, while I'm talking about my favorite movies, kind of on an impromptu basis, is uh, Serpico. I've never seen that movie. I've it heard is it's a very good. Fantastic. This is like literally, you know, this is legitimate fantastic movie this isn't like mike likes corny terrible movies fantastic this is like you know academy award level oh sure good movie a fantastic story of uh, frank serpico who uh not really single-handedly but for himself took all of the um most of the and i shouldn't say all of most of the risk of exposing corruption in the new york city police department in the uh 60s okay and 70s. It's just a fantastic. He ends up getting. I'm, I don't want to ruin the movie for you, but he ends up getting shot in the face. And uh, I'm not going to tell you whether he lives or dies, but uh, you'll have to watch the movie to see that, won't hmm. you? I guess. I guess I will. But thanks for um, letting me know how he takes uh, his exit oh, from the film, at least. Yeah. No. Well, he he doesn't necessarily take his exit from the film at that point. Uh, because it's well, he's something not getting you, up and doing much at that point. Well, it's something that you see happening, like, in the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the film, and then you kind of backtrack to how do you get to that point. Oh, interesting. So kind of yes. like the movie Memento. Have you ever seen the movie Memento? I don't know that I have. It starts at the end and reverses backwards in five, like, three to five minute increments. So, Who's in it? Uh, it's got Guy Ritchie. Yeah, probably never seen it then. And it's got the guy who played Cybe or Cipher from uh, The Matrix. I can't remember his name. Like, uh, <laughs> but in it, he 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 plays this cop who is helping, ostensibly helping um, Guy Ritchie's character find the killer of his wife. And he's got all these tattoos all over his body um, mm. with with different things like John G shot and killed my raped and killed my wife. And I am here for, in you know, justice. And uh, one that says, remember to shave, <laughs> you know, because he and the reason why it says that is because he has a, a memory disorder that prevents him from um, forming new memories. Is it is this like fucking you know like Groundhog Day meets no. some kind of action flick it, where the guy's like I can't remember anything and I start off fresh every day so I get more like you know, I get every five minutes. To remind me. No, it's more like every five minutes. Like he literally forgets where he is, what he was doing, why he was there, everything. In context of conversations that he started within three to five minutes ago, he loses. He has no ability to turn short-term memory into long-term memory whatsoever. So once it's gone, it's gone. He'd probably, I mean, I think it'd be, I think, remember to shave is kind of funny, but wouldn't he remember, like, every time that he touched his face or looked in the mirror, like, if he really wanted to shave? I feel like that would be kind of an ingrained thing where it wouldn't necessarily be a memory, but it'd be something he'd be like, oh, I hate it when I have... Yeah, but if you, know, you think about whiskers. it, if you think about it idly, and just touch yeah. your face, you go, "Yeah, I should shave." As soon as I'm done with breakfast, well, by the time he's started making breakfast, he's forgotten all about that. So yeah. every tattoo was like, uh, it was like maintenance stuff, it's and funny. like clues that he had figured out. And, and how all did this he stuff. remember to go to the place to get the tattoo done what it was he wanted to have tattooed on him oh he had a system of notes and photographs as well i forgot about how that how would he remember how would he remember his notes though i don't know if he doesn't remember things from you know the past five to eight minutes whatever the the time frame was that you said he had like, like uh well there's he, i feel like there's some continuity issues here well maybe if you'd watch the fucking movie <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I have questions. I need answers. I well, believe I'm going to have to watch that movie. someone who saw it once, like, 20 years ago, so... <laughs> hey, don't try to explain it to me, man. Forgive forgive <laughs> some of the holes in my own memory here, but... Perhaps you need to get that shit tattooed. Get the plot of uh, Memento tattooed on you so you can remember it. <laughs> oh, come on now. He carries around, like, a... Pol That's his note system. He carries around a Polaroid camera and takes pictures and immediately writes on the back of them before they have, even have time to develop. 
That's what he does. So he has a ton How does of he remember his system, though? Well, that's where he got some help from the cop guy. The cop guy is sort of taking him under his wing. You didn't even tell me about the cop guy until now. Yeah, I forgot about him. No, I did. No, he's—I feel like he was a you know integral part of the of the whole system here, and you left cop guy out until just now. You literally just I said brought that him first up time. at the beginning. Absolutely did not. I absolutely did, and the recording well, will show. You're it. gonna listen. You're gonna listen to this later, and you're gonna go, "Oh man, I didn't." And you're gonna you're gonna text me and be like. So didn't bring up cop guy. No, I did. And I'm gonna go. I fucking know because, no, because I don't I pay attention 100 percent of the time, but this time I know I'm right. I even you know told I always... you that his name I could not remember, but he was the character who played Cipher in the Matrix. I absolutely mentioned him. No, I don't think you did. Uh, pretty sure. Anyways, I did. um, you know what I always remember, guy Richie. No, for? you have to concede. You being, have to concede. Being married to Madonna. That's literally the only thing I remember him for. Ow. Um, he was married to Madonna? I, I think so. Really? Yeah, he was either married to her or engaged to her or something like that. I'm pretty sure that uh, that, that he was married to her, if I'm not mistaken. A lot of guys in Hollywood, though, have had some sort of interaction with Madonna that was beyond simple pleasantries. She was really hot back in the... You know, back in... I'm not saying that she's, like, terrible looking or anything like that now but like those nudes that she did back in the 80s mm. I think God, she I damn. think she hit her stride in the 90s in terms of her just overall look you she remember was a little that really more hot classy. Vogue video where she had yeah. like the top one that was basically see-through but of course she couldn't see nipples because it was MTV right yeah that one that one in the old spank bank that oh, one oh yes and I love the video for um, the one with the bullfighter in it um, I can't remember the name of it. Hmm. But, I, it's not ringing a bell for me right this second. Um, she's like she's like squirming around on a bed in like like lingerie, and her hair is dark. And it's I can just, see what you're talking about, yeah, but I can't think of the name of the song. Yeah, I can't either. Hmm. Well, that's the thing. I never liked really... her for. I never really liked her music very much. That's the thing. No. In fact, for some reason, I have that the one song. It stuck in my head, and I've had it there forever. I can't even remember the correct lyrics. It's like, some boys prance and some boys dance, and that's all right with me. Oh, I am uh-huh. living in a material world, and oh, I am go. a material girl. Yeah, it's I hate material it. Material girl, you got that one. I, hate I, I don't. It. I think the songs of hers that stick in my mind the most are probably Vogue, obviously because of that scene, and because it was always on MTV. Uh, like a prayer, I guess a little bit. Yeah. And uh, maybe like a virgin, and that's about all that I really have out of anything that she's ever done. Because, I mean, I will admit I liked a lot of, you know, stuff from the '80s. Like Michael Jackson, huge fan. Don't mm-hmm. give a shit what you know, whatever your <laughs> your feelings are towards Michael Jackson. He was a super talented musician. Right. End of story. Right. But like Madonna never really, never really hit that for me. Neither did like Cindy Lauper. Like I was thinking Madonna's being like a slightly classier, more expensive Cindy Lauper. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's essentially how she works out in my mind. Where I'm like, hmm, who could be a slightly classier and more expensive if they were a I don't know, a prostitute version of Cindy Lauper? And I'm like, ah, oh, Madonna. But Madonna doesn't <laughs> uh, doesn't star on commercials for. Um, um, skin conditions now, which Cindy Lauper does. <laughs> <laughs> psoriasis, I think it is. I'm not laughing at psoriasis, and that's absolutely not why I chuckle. I'm chuckling because, like, that's where Cindy Lauper's at right now. I love, though, I just love that you have, like, put these two on a tier. And I know exactly <laughs> it's a, it's what you mean. It's a rating system. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's like a level up. Like, you start as a Cindy Lauper, and then you level up out of the trailer park. Into, and you hit a Madonna, and then maybe above Madonna, like a uh, Kylie I would Minogue put, or something. I no, I no, I'm gonna stick in the '80s here, and I'd say I'd say a Debbie Gibson. A Debbie Gibson, no way. Or or, or a Tiffany, yeah. No way, oh, yeah. that's coming dude, from dude. a whole different alley, man. No, that, no, 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 no. I'm saying just in terms of '80s musicians. I'm not talking about their genre or anything no, like that. Like '80s females. 
Dude, Cindy Lauper is above Madonna. I mean, I mean, uh, Debbie Gibson is above Madonna, and so is in, and in, Tiffany is in terms of is what? way above both of them. In terms of, you know, like if I was going to uh, to rate them as like slightly more expensive, classier versions of each other, that's exactly oh, where I they're see. going. Well, but yes. I, I feel like that that those two, it's like Tiffany or or, or Debbie Gibson, it's definitely Oh, their music like, was way worse. No, I'm not talking about their music at all. No. I feel like they just have daddy's money. Those aren't particularly wealthy or classy either. We need to get into something like really, really mm. high class, like high polish. Um, but who? Who would that be? Oh my goodness! You're talking from we're sticking in the '80s now, correct? To the '80s, yeah. Oh, who would be Barbara that level? Streisand? Barbara Streisand. Yes, but I, you know. Or share. Share, yeah. Well, but the thing Cher is, share is so I, classy in some ways that she wraps right back around the trashy. Oh yes, she does. <laughs> <laughs> she wraps around the entire chart several times. Yes, she does. <laughs> I'm like, you look, you look, and it's. It, I'm imagining like in the air right now. Imagining like this, like this bar graph, and here we have certain tiers, and there we got like this. There's this one really thick black line that just goes around and around and around. Who is that? Oh, that's share. That, that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, she starred in The Mask and uh, Moonlighting. Or not, was it was Moonlighting the name yep. of the movie that she was in? You know, and some other stuff where she did some acting that kind of... But then, you know, and she did classy stuff like that. And then she danced on a, uh aircraft carrier in, like, what can only be described as... I have uh, certain fabric just covering over literally my genitals and my nipples and uh, the rest of its mesh which kind of looped her back around to the trashy side again. Right, and then she danced with her, what, her son? Yeah, Wasn't something that her like son that. Or something like that that she danced with in the, in the sailor costume? Yeah, which is just... I, that, I don't know, I think that might just make a parallel line in the trashy section <laughs> is is there is there a creepy part on this chart because uh, if there is that's that's a little weird yeah and share from what i've seen of her tweeter tweet tweeters <laughs> her, her tweeters <laughs> tom we all saw her tweeters yeah we all saw her tweeters that's right that's right um no, from what I've seen of her tweets, she's sort of insane too. Like, like yeah. and that should come to as no surprise. People who—that's the thing I find very interesting—is that with few exceptions, celebrities who get to become megastars are always just a little out of touch with reality too. A lot of out of touch with reality. It's not just oh, the yeah. fact that they make these absurd. Like, I want 50-scented candles in my room. They have to have at least th one-third of them have to be lavender of some kind. And I want 16 bottles of Dasani water. Um, and I want rose petals uh, so that I can take a bath. And the bathtub has to be exactly this big or larger or I don't want the room and all this stuff. Yep. Like, if they're saying all those things, like, I don't really... Like, I don't care about that celebrity <laughs> very much, you know. I've got I've got two polar opposite ends of the spectrum on that one. Uh, one I was only made aware of this week, and that is Randy Quaid. Okay. Randy Quaid always seems like he'd smell like pee and be your trashy uncle to begin with. Sure, but some of the shit that he has posted on social media is so absolutely outlandishly insane oh yeah 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 he's a nut he's a nutcase i can't even i mean and and this has nothing to do with him uh supporting trump this i no. mean that off the table the way that he comports himself on social media is absolutely like he is the crazy uncle uh that he plays in the national lampoons movies only in real life he really is. No, he had this whole conspiracy theory for a while called, I don't know if he still does, called the Star Whackers. Yes, which, yeah, he does still. He does still they, have the Star Whackers. He thinks they're trying Whackers. to kill him. Yes, yeah. he thinks they're trying to kill him. Yeah, he's which, been on that for like 15, 10 or 15 years now. Something tells me if they were truly interested, he'd be dead by now. Uh, yeah, you would think. But <laughs> I don't know if he, I don't know if there's some drug abuse there. Or what's going on, but that's not, that is not like just, 
he was never that big of a star to begin with. You know no, what I mean? No. Like he wasn't like I'm he's got a characteristic face, so I'm sure there's not many places he can go that By people don't recognize. Him. You mean kinda ugly and only able to play certain roles. <laughs> yeah. Like the play- His brother, on the other hand, won the fucking lottery. Yeah. Well Dennis Quaid, good looking guy, great actor, you know. Yeah. Well, and it's it's a matter of, of, of aesthetics. It's the it's the Clint Howard factor is what it is. Oh, totally. There is there's two guys that at one point in time, uh, one won the lottery and one kind of got uh, uh, thrown down the garbage chute of a 150-story <laughs> apartment building. I don't know. Yeah, Clint Howard. I mean, but uh, this guy fills uh, fills a niche, and he definitely, um, I think he, to me, is probably a lot more likable and more popular and less, cr- and definitely less crazy than than Randy Quaid. You know, but then oh, yeah. Ron Howard kind of went bald and. They look a lot more alike the older they get, which I'm sure is troubling to, to Ron Howard. <laughs> <laughs> but Clinton Howard, I mean, the dude, the dude embraces, embraces his lot, and and is is fantastic and funny. Um, so, you know, I like uh, him. Steve Buscemi used to uh, be pretty attractive when he was in his twenties. You know. Yeah. I mean, and, even, uh, I would say even into his 30s, he was probably yeah. still a good-looking guy. And then what the fuck happened? Well, he, age, I guess, I, you know, just... His his eye just started going wonky on age? I guess. I don't know. Uh, something just happens at some point, and the face starts his, growing differently. <laughs> I, I have no idea. His eye-going-wonky thing was obviously just a callback to the uh, Mr. Deeds where he's got the crazy eye because he doesn't have crazy eyes. He doesn't have crazy, you know, fucking looking off to the side eyes in real life. I don't I don't believe he just has buggy eyes like just, you know. On the opposite end of that crazy uh, scale you were talking about, though, is somebody who I think is very in touch uh, with with uh, with the way things are. No, I'm not talking about Sally Struthers trying to get us to go to college or donate money to um, to some Christian charity. And I know there's people that could be listening to this right now going, Sally Struthers, is that a callback to a previous episode? Who the fuck is that? And it's not even worth your time looking. But Matt, Matt Damon. Matt Damon? Like, Matt Damon does, like, and uh, his his buddy, uh, what's Matt Damon's, the guy that he's always... Um, uh, ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Those two guys are, like, helping to get clean water to countries and, like, all kinds of shit like that, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. And I always add if I'm remembering correctly in case I'm missing some key detail somewhere. But, uh, yeah, they seem to be dudes that are somewhat down-to-earth with everything, I yeah. think. I've always and gotten that impression you know, about crazy both of off them. the scale, you know? Yeah, I've always gotten that impression about both of them. They just seem like normal dudes. Yeah. Who, who, when, because a normal person who would be given that kind of money and like see a world and hurt would probably be like, yeah, I could probably do something, right? Yeah, like, like I, I don't could have take any problems interest. paying. <laughs> I don't have problems paying my bills or anything. I'm good with my bills. I'm good with this. I'm good with that. How much money can I throw away? Uh, Why don't I put it towards something good so that my fucking kids will have a nice world to live in? Yeah, like I want to. My kids' friends will. (laughs) I want to help to design a machine that'll help poor one armed monkeys be able to fling poo properly. That'll make the world a better place. Didn't Kevin Costner or somebody come up with some way to clean up, like, water, like, oil spills in water or trash in water or something like that? And It sounds and, like something he would do because he seems like uh, – he's like, like a Tom Hanks. And I know that Tom Hanks is the uh, subject of some controversy in certain circles. But yeah, well. I think those guys are probably pretty genuinely on the up and up for the most part. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I've always got Kevin Costner has always struck me again as one of those people who's like a great, like a humanitarian. Not, I don't know yeah. if a great humanitarian, but someone, a philanthropist, someone who uses their 
wealth and their fame to push an idea bigger than them. And that's yeah. not a fuck that's not attached to a studio. Yeah. You know, I think that's pretty cool. That is, that is pretty cool. I mean, that's it's the kind of shit that you should uh, be interested in doing when you have money instead of, you know, hoarding all of it and um, and then begging for more. Well, wouldn't you say that the difference between those two choices is really a difference between fear and love? Mm. Explain to me how exactly you mean that. Okay. So you have money, a great deal of yep. it. Gain through whatever means. Let's just say that that is a neutral point in this. At this yeah. point, it is simply a matter of if you are fearful and from fear cre- is created hatred and disdain and, you know, uh, xenophobia and all the other things that come with fear, mm-hmm. you will attempt to retain your money, to hoard yeah. it, to create a mountain with which to protect yourself because you are afraid of having your money taken from you. You're afraid of having your power wrested from you, of having all your safeguards taken away so that your enemies can strike you down. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, alternatively, the choice of having that money and the choice of responding with love, like I've got so much money. And I don't need anything. I've got a house. I've got my car. I've got this. I've got that. I have every bill paid and more than that. And I'm socking away all this money for college. I'm sucking away all this money for this and that. I still have so much more that I don't use for anything. Why don't I do something useful with it? And I'm not saying that that something useful for it needs to be for like the world. It could be for your community. It could yeah. be for your, your local. I'm just saying that I think that of the two choices, if it's a choice between fear and love, I guess, wow, I guess what I'm kind of saying is that a, a, an extremely conservative mindset is one that's based in fear. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could see that. You know. And I don't mean to say that every conservative aspect, every that everything that is considered conservative in and of itself is fear based, but it is sort of like a all right, pull that back. We need that. It's a safety. It's like a safety blanket kind of thing. Those resources are ours. Hold them back. We need to keep on to them. We can't let them get distributed in a certain way because that would be. You know, dis- disastrous to us or deleterious yeah, yeah. to us, and it's even always about no their proof. self-interest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even even if there is no proof whatsoever backing them up, and in fact, proof to the contrary that it would be highly beneficial and you would gain returns on it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's always uh, that always seems to be the the crux of the matter. Right. And I'm teetering dangerously close then to saying that the left is the only correct way in thinking, which I don't necessarily believe. I myself tend to be a centrist, but or at least a moderate. I don't know if a centrist is the right term. Yeah, I don't think it is. I I think that's a wholly different thing. I'm a moderate in that I have some conservative points of view and I have some a lot of liberal points of view I tend to lean much more towards the liberal but Mm -hmm. then stuff comes out of the far left that disgusts me as much as stuff that comes out of the far right and I go okay well extremism yes it's extremism regardless of which way you the the needle goes uh, too far to one side is no good too far to the other side and I think that having um, uh, conservative views and things doesn't necessarily uh, mean that you're a conservative. It means that when you see, uh, just as a small, small example, you see that uh, somebody is in dire need of something and you give them money, that's a good thing. You see this person that needs in dire of something and you, um, or sorry, you, you see somebody that frivolously needs, doesn't need something but wants something. And you say, well, I don't think I would give the money to them. That is being conservative at some level because you are trying to conserve the resources that you have and right. realizing that there is a excellent, an excellent reason to use something and only a frivolous reason. You should probably stick with the excellent reason or don't do it. 
that that makes that's a conservative ideal, I think, but it's not a politically speaking conservative ideal because theirs would just be fuck it, I'm not spending it on anything, and I'm just gonna stick it back in my pocket. Right, right. Because um, I fear losing that money. Right, right. So you sort of see my point with the whole fear and love. Oh yeah. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. I wanted to make sure that you weren't making that point to exactly like the point I was just saying that you were using. You were making a broader statement of it, which you were. So Uh, it made made sense to me then. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I I, I just think that, um, you know, the whole fear and love dichotomy is just one of many dualities that human beings possess. And I think that. Uh, there is that dichotomy of, of uh, uh, conservative and, and liberal perspectives within everyone's politics. I think mm-hmm. the problem lies in where you start to get into an echo chamber and you stop listening completely to what anyone on, on the other side of the fence has to say. Yeah. Now, the problem is, of course, is that that kind of thinking is encouraged to a certain degree, whether intentionally or by, or not. By the fact yeah. that the people that we see, like on the news and stuff, are so often the far, far, far right or far, far, far left, and they they're the they're, extremists. They're yeah. the extremists, and they're up there with their these really wild ideas. And and they've got the bully pulpit and are able to, you know, continue to um, to throw these things at you. And I mean, it all boils down to a very basic concept. And that is common sense. Common sense and human decency. Well, I would say empathy. Empathy. Empathy, to a certain degree, is one of the larger things that a lot of people do not have, Hmm. which um, can help guide your decisions, uh, you know, and say, oh, well, you know, I I can help do something really great or I can help do something that's uh, good for me but not good for anybody else and uh, you know it's kind of having a little bit of empathy and wanting to see your fellow man succeed at some level and maybe giving them a hand at doing that uh, I think we've seen that that's a much uh, more successful um, tactic to use than to just say well fuck it just pick yourself up by your own bootstraps and figure it out Right, because the people that are all saying that right now never had to do that. Never, never once wanted for anything. No. Never once know what it was like to be to be hungry and not be able to eat. They know what it's like to be hungry because everybody gets hungry, but they don't know what it's like to be hungry and have to say, "Well, I I'm gonna have to go to bed hungry." That's just the way it works. Yeah, I just have nothing you know? to eat. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, have, yeah. they have no idea. So their, I touch their version of and, that is, I have to run to the store at midnight. I don't want to do that. I'll just go to bed hungry. Oh, oh how I can have the servants do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's well, it, it's such a lack of perspective, which is why I always say, and I mean, I don't want to get into any specific politics, but that's why I always say <laughs> that, well, I don't want to get into any poli- per current events because that's just, eh, whatever. Yeah. What I'm saying is in, in broad terms, uh, which is that regardless of what party they're on or what platform they, 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 they represent, at some point, they sort of become out of touch with the common people. I think there's a few examples of that where that's not the case. But how can you have, how can you possibly have the common people's interests, like a, not interests, but an understanding, a full understanding of their interests when you're at that level of power? Well, how you, can you? you? Can. The only the only people that do are the young idealists, I think, um, for the most part, that do because no matter which side you uh, you choose, which side of the aisle you choose to be on, you become uh, one and the same at some level after a certain period in time, where you are not a representative of the people that you are quote unquote representing. So I get what you're saying, and that's. Yeah. That's absolutely the truth, and uh, both sides are as guilty, and uh, and everything about it as the other one is. It's just just the way that it works. Right, right. Unfortunately, and it's it's not it's not a representation of 
of uh, of who we are as as a people. I don't think maybe maybe some. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. But but for the most part, yeah, I would say that our if you looked at our representatives, there's a very few examples of representation uh, actually representing the representing the people that they're representing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that made no fucking sense. I started stumbling over my words, but. Yeah, the trip, the trip, uh, the trip, the trip, the trip. The trip. Yeah, <laughs> they're not they're not representing the people that they are supposed to be. They're representing themselves. Period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's absolutely um, unacceptable. It's unacceptable, unacceptable, but I think that it's part of the system that they're in, in entangled in. And I say entangled because you can take a good person. And and put them in a position where, okay, well, you want to do this and you want to change these things for the good as a politician. That's great. But this is the game that we play. And this is how you get things done in Washington. And if you want to play, this is how you play. Or you're out on your ass. And it really they, shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be like but that. But that's exactly how it is. And it's, it's, it starts with lobbying. Lobbying is a big problem with that. These people oh, yeah. just trying to push their their agendas through campaign donations, and it's like how hard how how hard must it be when you're looking at your policy changes that you would put in place would take fifty thousand kids off the streets, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to get in bed with coal in order to do it, like like coal energy. <laughs> it's not very soft. Not soft at all. No, it's going to be pretty hard on your on your dong. Yeah. To fuck, oh, and, to and fuck your, a your lower back. Oh, lumbar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're gonna. It's gonna no, be rough. No bueno. No bueno. Right. But it, but it gets those kids what, and ultimately it leads to those kids have homes now. And the coal people come in and they say, hey, and they have warm homes because of coal. You know what I mean? And it's like suddenly you're wrapped up in it and it was your idea. It was your idea to make the coal thing. You're culpable because you made. That's an an excellent example. That was an excellent example of like a um, sacrifice that would have to be made that was just that's just ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just ugly from the very start. Like, oh yeah, well, we're gonna pollute the shit out of everything, but there's something good coming out of it. So you know, yeah, that's. Whew. And and that businesses that businesses that have heartless uh, CEOs and heartless uh, 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 boards um, and nothing but profits in their mind uh, are able to make to make these calls and be like, hey, yeah, I know how we'll spin this to make ourselves even more money. Like, look at all the, the Dawn commercials that were, were made. Like, oh, Dawn oh, my oil uh, after the BP spill. Well, surprise, surprise, Dawn is made by BP. They're owned by the same parent company. Of course Dawn gets the grease off the poor ducklings and all I the other so. animals. Of course it does. What a wonderful... Oh, and Dawn is donating for every every bottle spent, every bottle bought. They're donating X amount of money, and I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> if you gave a fuck, you just give a, give the money. I guarantee oh. you guys could pull out fifty million dollars from your coffers and put it towards the BP spill, right? And like, not have like, to give up had, anything. They're like, we had to pay money through a settlement, and each bottle that you buy, uh, we donate this money. We're not really donating it, though, because it's part of the settlement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're actually... <laughs> it's kind of yeah. how it is. We're yeah. rebranding uh, the difference between settlement and donation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're That's literally, exactly what it is. <laughs> you're literally paying back their settlement. <laughs> yes. One awesome. bottle of soap at a time. Man alive. Which, you know, with which the volume that they that they push through uh, one bottle at a time is literally like, you know, several thousand bottles a day. So <laughs> it's uh, it's not uh, it doesn't take long to add up. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like what ever it is that you buy at the store, let's say it's a, a bar soap. How much is a one bar soap like? 89 cents to a buck 50 depending on the brand uh, yeah it depends on the brand yes uh, I would steer clear of the uh, you know like Dollar Tree bars of soap and stuff like that right. because or the ultra generics because there may be 
you know, chunks of things you don't want scraping mm-hmm. against your naked body in the shower. But, you know. Right. But the point is that you can go to the store and buy a single bar of soap effectively for under a dollar in most cases. It depends on, you know, but, uh, you know, there it's a six pack of soap. But mm-hmm. the point is that, yeah, so you, you, you pay, let's just say soap, a bar of like Dove soap is a buck 25 each. So you've got your little soap there. How many oh, chemicals, the, the chemical, the stamping process, the, the whole process per unit, given how much they push through a factory in any given day on an assembly line, how much it costs in materials and pay and everything for that factory pr- produce one bar of soap. And I'll bet if you did the math, it would work out to something like three cents. Yeah. You know? I'm just and, kidding. I actually Dollar Tree stuff is great. I was only joking about that and Dollar Store stuff. I, uh, you know, I, I, well, I had to throw that back in there because I, I shop there a lot. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that you uh, needed to feel I, any I, kind I of did. guilt. I did. I did. Well, don't I, turn I, that I had guilt. To, you know. Don't don't turn that guilt into shame, my friend. You don't want to do late. that. I already feel ashamed yeah. of myself for having said that. You know, you need to meet my friend Dominic. I do? Yeah, he runs this place called the Whole Food, or the Whole Health Food and Spa. Oh, yeah? Which sounds backwards. It's like Whole Foods, right? Like, you want to say Whole Foods, but it's the Whole Health Food and Spa place Hmm. in Hummelstown, Pennsylvania. Sounds like it's worded that way on purpose. It may be. I don't know. Would you like to meet Dominic? Uh, I don't think I have a choice. You don't. How are you? My name's Dominic. I'm just, uh, I'm here to, well, I listened to your last podcast, uh, the one which mm-hmm. isn't out yet, but I listened to an advanced <laughs> copy. And, uh, well, I just loved Stuart. I thought Stuart was such a beacon of positivity. And, you know, I didn't understand why Tom was wearing him down so much. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. He's a very but, intense guy. He can be, yeah, but I think that ultimately it's just a matter of being protective, being protective of the self. And as a, I am, I am a yogi, and oh, I, I practice like the bear in the cartoons. No, you got a boo boo also. No, a yoga pr- practitioner. We call ourselves yogis. Oh, oh. yes. Yeah, I thought and it was only bears. I practice Reiki. And that's that's the art of uh, healing with stones and gemstones. Did you say, say Reiki? Reiki, that's correct. Hmm. I've Reikied a few locks in my day. You know, uh, maybe it's a different keys fit in them. Yeah. No, it's nothing like that. Uh, well, you know what? Maybe it is because you are rekeying your chakras when you're oh. doing that. Yeah, so nice I can see that. There. That's right. funny how you made that connection. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Yeah. I like oh, it. Oh, that's that's so neat. And that's what You're I love. You use that it. now? I might just use that. Is that okay? I mean, I'm going to expect a little bit of you know, like uh some organic cookies or something like that. Just maybe oh, even just once, you know. Absolutely. I also like pretzels. Well, and I could I could maybe talk to you about some of the the services that the Whole Health Food and Spa have oh, to right. offer. Whole yes, got it, got it. Yes, Whole Health Food and Spa. Uh, no food. one else, no one else in the tri-state area does what we do. We are a hundred percent California signed off and sealed in terms of our our wellness packages. We have urine therapy. We have shit therapy. We have shit baths. (laughs) Now you're speaking my language. Yeah. Have you ever had a shit bath? I haven't. Uh, I just want to backtrack for a moment there. What does California have to do with the tri-state stuff? Do you have to still be certified through? No, no, no. That's just the thing. Are they the gateway to to the... whole health uh, market in America yes they very much are because there are standards out there and uh-huh. I'll tell you something if it's like it's like the better business bureau if you're showing yourself off to be a health spa or a health food store and you're not following the certification rules that are in mm-hmm. town we'll run your business out on the rails we'll, we will pick it uh-huh. in front of you 
Yes. Yes. Because, and it's good work that we do. It's, it's important work because you have to let the universe heal itself and it can't heal when there are snake oil salesmen around. We don't sell any of that garbage. Everything that we get comes from a single source mm-hmm. and that is the Rohackney company. And the Rohackney company is based out of uh, Switzerland. Um, I'm not sure why, but that's where it's we're based out of. And all of our products, <laughs> all that's of where our it's products. Originated. That's, you know, that seems kind of, yeah. Sure, sure. But all yeah. of our products come through them. They're tested by them. They're, there are studies that are f- funded by them that have shown the efficiency of the products that we sell and the services that we provide. And they give us a baseline from which to um, – from which to 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 operate, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, tell me about the shoot bath. I gotta I gotta know about this and the urine therapy. This is fascinating to me. Well, urine therapy is the therapy of drinking urine, your own oh. urine specifically. Did you know that urine is sterile? You can actually drink it. I had a uh, a kid that uh, I went to high school with that used to whenever he would start to feel sick, quote unquote. Uh, you know, with a cold or something, he would gargle with urine, and then he would say that he uh, he never ended up really getting sick. And to be honest with you, I don't really remember him getting sick, but I didn't really have like, any classes with him. Only shop on occasion, he would be there. <sighs> but it always disturbed me a little bit because, you know, I mean, if urine was so fantastic for you and even it's sterile and everything, why would you flush it down the toilet or drop it on trees or threaten to... To use it against people when you're when you're angry about something, that would fucking piss on you, or you know, I mean, if anybody's ever said that. <laughs> well, I don't know if anyone's ever done that. That sounds crazy to me. But did you know in the Middle Ages and even in the Industrial Revolution that urine and feces were both used? Yeah, that's right. Piss and shit were used by industry. For a variety of purposes, from tanning to uh, machine production. Shit's not sterile. No, shit's not sterile, and you should never drink it. But (laughs) what... Drinking a solid is also difficult, I would imagine, sometimes. Well, I mean, some people, some people, and these are the people I said before who are not on the certification. You're going to have people right here in the state who are going to do this, who will make a shit smoothie... And let me tell you, that is just teeming with bacteria and all sorts of things. Now, what we need, what you need is the tonic that we put in the shit smoothie. And Mm. we get that from our parent company, the Rohickney Company. I uh, I was going to say, so I I shouldn't um, be using... Uncle Seamus's, I promise you, this is organic and completely healthy for you stuff anymore? Um, on the back of the bottle, is there a logo that looks like an R with three other R's surrounding it, like a helicopter? No, no. On the back of mine, there's like a little I and then three menacingly large O's around it. Kind of like when you see the small little chick and she's sitting on the couch and there's a bunch of menacing large muscular dudes behind her and you know she's about to get fucked. That's kind of what it looks like. (laughs) Oh. Well, I'm not familiar with that one. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, oh, oh, like that's what that's how I pronounce it. Well, mm, that's interesting. So I have to go. Um, but I do hope everyone will come to. Oh, you wanted to know what the shit bath was. I'm sorry. Yeah. Y- you threw me a little bit. I'm sorry. I was being rude. I have a habit of sidetracking people all the time. I, and I, if I was yeah. being rude, I very much apologize. Don't dangle but, something shiny in front of me or this will never fucking go anywhere. <laughs> It's true. (laughs) Well, that sounds like a perfect example of someone who needs a shit bath. Here's the reason why we do the shit bath. There are no curative properties whatsoever. None. It is purely an act of acceptance and presence. Hmm. You climb into the shit bath and you immediately want to get out immediately you want to get out so this is like a bath full of shit correct yes is it is it warm oh yes it's kept to room temperature and it's very fresh 
see, room temperature is not necessarily warm. I'm talking like, am I going to be like bathing in like something with, you know, warm warmth and stink lines coming off of it like in a cartoon and I'm going to like be like, oh, oh, oh and put, just put my toe in and be like, oh, that's warm. And, yes. nice, and then kind of slide in. There are a variety of packages that that we can offer. Yes, including so a steam offer service. Different temperatures, also. Okay. We do. Yes, there are different services starting with the lukewarm. Some people find that vile. Some people find it not vile enough and want it warm. So cold there are different feels levels. like it would be bad. We can do cold within certain parameters. Mm. We wouldn't want you to get hypothermia. I imagine the solidity. Solidity is that a word? I'm not even sure. The uh, the solidity of uh, of said bath might also um, be an issue. Like, cause if it was cold, you know, nobody. You've all seen the videos of the guy running and jumping on the pool and it's covered in ice. And uh, I just feel like that would probably be a terrible thing to to slap down like on flat on your back on a like a shit patty. Oh, is that what happens in those videos? I've never seen those videos. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be terrible. Now, am I going to be Am I going to be clothed when I do this? You or, will, or am I going to speed be, the speedo or, or you, what? You, know? you will be wearing a rubber suit over your lower body. Uh, the upper body is is also uh, preferable, but it's not required. Uh, you I'm, are required you know, to cover your genitals and your anus completely to prevent any of the fluid from getting into your body. I just know the one time I had anal with somebody who really had to go, and I ended up pooping out a solid rod of shit when I got done because it just right in my urethra. And <laughs> there is nothing worse than a urethra full of poop. Let me tell you, right now, terrible. I wouldn't imagine you have the muscles to properly uh, expel poop from your your urethra. I am a power pisser. I've been working on this for many years. Like, Like, you know how ladies and men can do kegels? I've actually been doing uh, a patented exercise called urethrals where I take and like I, I can hone in on those muscles when I really focus on them and like I've I've broken I've broken things that I have stuck in my in my pee hole you know like one time I accidentally stuck I almost broke my pinky like that's how strong those muscles are now and now I'm working on rippling them kind of like a snake like movement if you could see me right now you'd see me like rolling my shoulders and like pulling my fingers together cause it's like a snake and it'll push things out it's fucking amazing how dare you would you be interested in learning that technique how dare you hmm. Mike what Mike, how you steal my thunder even when I'm the one doing a bit. You <laughs> dare try to outshoe scenery from me? <laughs> I am very heavy into crafting. I think, well, I say very heavy into crafting. I mean, for for a guy my age, I'm probably pretty heavily into crafting, Um, you know, sewing, embroidering, uh, making things, blankets and pillows and all that kind of stuff. And Christmas is a time of year that is really good. Um, Sorry, Christmas is a time of year that I will, you know, typically be pretty busy. And this year I decided to get a little bit of a head start on things, so I'm not trying to make things, um, you know, starting uh, December 18th for shit that I need to have done by Christmas Day. And I've actually started to uh, started to embroider some stuff, and I got materials together, and I think that I have pretty much everybody uh, covered at this point, but I've been spending a lot of time in my, uh, in my, in my newly minted sewing room. And I, don't, I shouldn't say the room itself has been there uh, longer than I've been alive. And apparently I've just decided to start yawning for no reason. But uh, I just recently moved all of my stuff into a room so I have my own space where, you know, I can have fabric um, set out and, and all of my different measuring devices and numerous sewing machines. I think that uh, in that room I probably have about 
12 to 15 sewing machines at this point <laughs> and stuff <laughs> but uh, this week I really move forward I'm doing one of the most complex embroidery projects that I have ever done like to the extent that I hand drew the design and it is like a uh, realistic thing not like you know oh hey I drew uh, you know a big pair of fairy wings and flowers and you know shit like that this is like an actual real world um um, organism being that I drew out and everything. I'll have to, I'll have to show it to you uh, off of the podcast because I'm really proud of it. And um, maybe I'll, I'll put the finished result up on dembeans.biz. That's D-E-M-B-E-A-N-S dot B-I-Z because we mean business. And duh. Not like, you know, actual business, but or, or poop because sometimes people call that the business. <laughs> but um, I have been uh, like I, I, I drew the thing out completely I transferred it onto the fabric and I've been working on it and just the scale of this is something unlike uh, what I've done before like I've always done smaller embroidery things which I could say oh it took me a day or two days to do it or it took me a week to finish this and I've been working on this for about a week now, and I'm not even halfway finished with it yet. It's very intensive as far as me um, and d- using different techniques and learning stuff and everything. And it's been it's been really satisfying. I gotta say, I encourage everybody to find themselves something that you can, and even if it's you know if it's reading a book or something like that, find something that you can that brings you some serenity. Something that brings you brings you to the point where you can kind of push everything else out of your mind and focus on this one thing and something that will, will uh, yield a result that you can look at then and go, man, I did. I spent a lot of time on this thing, but that is fucking awesome. And if you can gift it to somebody, there's two really great things about it. Number one, you've made this heartfelt thing and you're going to give it to them. And I don't care who you are, if you don't accept heartfelt gifts and think that they're amazing, like your kid comes to you and brings you uh, a paper plate with macaroni uh, glued to it or something like that, if that doesn't get you, you're a monster. But besides the fact that you get this heartwarming, beautiful gift, it's also usually a lot cheaper than buying, you know, uh, pre um well, mass-produced, I shouldn't say pre-produced because it didn't make any fucking sense. Mass-produced things that, you know, oh, hey, look, I got my, uh, I got my, my, I made this for my mom. And, but I could have, I could have bought, you know, something like this and then other, 600 other people's moms in this area have it. it it's kind of right. adds a uniqueness. And it's also cost-effective. I'm not saying that I'm cheap. But I like to, I like to, like, if I give you something that I made myself, I would, you know, I would hope that you would hold it in a regard and be like, uh, this is something I can hang on my wall. And I know that every time I come over to your house, I'll see it. And you'll be like, Mike made that, and I fucking hate it, but I put it up on the wall because I know he'll enjoy it. <laughs> well, you know, my brother and I always have had this, ever ever since we were adults, have this, have this agreement that we don't buy each other gifts. Because mm-hmm. I have money. If I need something, I'll go buy it. Likewise, he has money. If he needs something, he'll go and buy it. If I want the box set of something, like a DVD box set, I'm not going to wait until Christmas and ask my brother to get it for me. But yeah. if his birthday rolls around, you better believe I'm getting a card and I'm spending a lot of time thinking about what I'm going to write in that card. And the card better be, first of all, fucking inappropriate as hell and, uh-huh. and therefore hilarious. And second of all, it better be funny when I write whatever I write. Like the whole idea is to crack him up. That's cool. You know, and he does the same with me. Um, one time I wrote for the in, for the inside of the card, I just wrote the entirety of the Golden Girls theme song. And then, oh, my God. And then said, happy birthday, and then sent it off to <laughs> Thank you for being a friend. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being a friend. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like we could talk about um, – I feel like we could talk about that kind of thing all day long. Yeah, pretty much. Because, um, I mean, just I uh, I recently had, and this was just a small example of a thing that I did. Um, 
my, I don't know if I talked about my therapist moving on to a new position or not, but a uh, very bittersweet kind of a thing for you when yeah. a provider that you have, whether it be a doctor or a specialist, you know, what have you, um, moves on. I, if it's somebody that I, that really made a difference for me, mm-hmm. I like to show some appreciation. Sure. And, uh, like, like one of them, uh, one of my, uh, past providers that I had, uh, she had moved on and I made her a, uh, like a little, um, like a, almost like a tote bag kind of thing. But I like to make them out of like recycled feed bags. So I'm recycling something. And then also I would say like, oh, if you want to use it for like, you know, regular everyday stuff, you can do that. If you want to use it for like groceries, for cold items or wet items, you can do that because it's a feed bag and it'll dry, you know. And uh, recently I made one uh, because it just seemed right to me. I took uh, the peanuts thing, you know how uh, Lucy always had the little booth. Mm-hmm. And it said, you know, psychiatric the health, five cents, the doctor is in. Well, yeah. I did a play on that, and it said therapy, five cents, and then uh, my provider's name and is in. And I drew kind of like, a, you know, a low-rent version of, of Lucy from uh, from Peanuts. And I, I embroidered that on a thing, and uh, the reaction was, you know, absolutely everything I'd hoped it would be. Now, naturally, I don't think anybody's ever going to take a gift that you made them and go, wow, this is a real piece of fucking shit. Thanks a lot. I'm going to enjoy wiping my ass with it and throwing it in the trash. That, so, (laughs) that, yeah, that may not be the most expensive gift she's ever received or or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but that'll probably be one of the most favorite things. She did say to me, "Would, would you mind if I hung it on the wall in my office? And I was like, that would be fantastic. I was like, because now, you know, it, it's kind of not, not, not me, not like, oh, hey, Mike did this, and I will always think of Mike, but more like, twenty years from now, look at that and go, I made a difference in somebody's in somebody's right. life, and right there is, you know, a visual representation of the fact that you know they were thankful to that. And I thought that was I thought that was cool. And I mean, you know, like you know, we end up talking about all kinds of absurd things on here and stuff. But every now and again, I like to get a little, get a little real and get some emotion in there and stuff. And that's uh, you know, that was, that was a nice thing. It was awesome. I think it felt great to to have something like that be appreciated. And that was where I was kind of going with the uh, you know making homemade stuff. I know people always say, oh well, you know, you only make homemade stuff if you're cheap. I'm not like I'm taking and gluing leaves to a rock. And sending them to somebody and being like, "Here you go, it's a little piece of Pennsylvania or anything like that." But, yeah, you know, I cover I things on shit with shells. Here's a piece of cow poop from Pennsylvania. You can't get this anywhere but in PA. You know that stuff's all natural Pennsylvania grass and grain coming out of that cow's ass. And it wouldn't be anything like that, but uh, you know, I, I think I think that's always been. One of the things, if somebody gave me something that's homemade, I would cherish it forever. It's like, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. And I'm not just trying to talk up what I do. I'm just saying, you know, in general. Yeah. <sighs> that was a good story. That was a feel-good story. I felt good about it. <laughs> Hopefully other people will, too. <laughs> now we're going to end. Excuse me. Mm. I don't know if I've ever told you this or not, but... Many, many years ago, because I suffer with uh, acid reflux, and I know you have a problem with uh, with very similar things. Yep. Um, started to – spaghetti sauce is one of those things that will fucking tear right through me. So I had heard – and my parents had, had, had heard also, and they started doing it. If you put like a, like a tablespoon of sugar into your spaghetti sauce, it like neutralizes the acid to a certain degree and stops it from being – um, so harsh when you when you eat it, and it usually stops um, the uh, you know the acid from bothering and stuff like that. But sometimes, like when you use a meatball sauce or something like that, it just makes it sweet, and that's super weird. And like tonight, we were sitting down eating dinner, and it kind of occurred to me that uh, we're kind of running short on time here, aren't we? That's going to have to be a story for another time. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Tom and Mike. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed giving it to you. Giving it to you like a homemade gift from the heart. 
if any of you get packages with poop inside of them, it probably wasn't from me. Because I didn't make it. Unless it's human poop. And it's, you know, got a lot of fiber and maybe a little bit of corn in it. Then, I don't know. Maybe you should ask. It could be. To learn more about Storytime with Tom and Mike, visit our website, dembeans.biz, D-E-M-B-E-A-N-S dot B-I-Z, where you'll find links to our social media presences, our other uh, web presences, as well as sort of behind-the-scenes stories and links and things like that related to episodes that you've listened to. Yeah, and it's not biz because we mean fucking business. That's right, bitches. Or 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 people, because I don't want to upset you by calling you a bitch. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have called you a bitch. It's. it's I mean, it happens, man. Everybody gets called a bitch one time or another, or a son of a bitch. 